For today's episode, I'd like to highlight the work of a fantastic industry charity. The film and TV charity supports people in the UK film and TV industry at every stage of their career and beyond. From their important work on mental health, which led to the creation of the whole picture programme, and their help for crew being affected by COVID-19. If you, a member of your family or a friend who works in the industry, needs help or someone to talk to, please go to filmtvcharity.org.uk. Let's get started. Hola, film family. I'm Isusko, your host, a.k.a. The Time Scheduler. Welcome to the Film Gods podcast, which is a chat with the best of the UK film crew who make all of those beautiful moving images you watch every day. I want to give a special thanks to Island Studios for the recording space. Thank you, Mark, Mitch, Pauline, and the whole team. And wherever you're listening, I hope you enjoy. Big love. Hello, Film Family. Another podcast via the internet as we are all on our lockdown. So trying to get as many out whilst I'm sitting at home. Bit of homeschooling, bit of this, bit of that. So today we are very lucky to have a... Well, I'm honoured to have a man that's kind of got me on some wonderful projects and who has the coolest fucking name in showbiz. So if you think you have a cool name, just stop your inner monologue right now because you lose. Don't worry about it. You've lost it. Um, so hello, sir. Let, uh, what is your name and what do you do? What's your role? Hello, sis. Uh, my name's Bugsy Riverbank Steel, or Bugsy, uh, and I am a commercials director. Boom! I told you you had the coolest name in showbiz. <laughs> there it is. So, what does a director mean to you? What do you What do you do on set? Um, what do I do on set? I am almost like a head chef. I I care a lot about food and cooking, so that's always my analogies. But yeah, I'm like a head chef. So it doesn't mean I do all the cooking, but it means I get all the good stuff together and together we put all the ingredients in and we make, you know, a good dish to send out to the restaurant. So I get contacted, uh, I suppose, initially from agencies or clients. They've got a brief or they haven't got a brief. They've got an idea. Um, and I bring a creative edge to that. And, um, and then if I win that pitch and I get that project, then I bring the, the right crew and the right people together. And um yeah, turn it into a, a, hopefully a good TV commercial. Nice. So the question that I ask, that I've been asking people is kind of, what's your process from pencil to invoice? So someone comes to you with an idea. How do you start thinking about what you're going to do? Is, is say, that, say, say it is just a very vague idea and they go, we want you to do it because we saw X and Y that you've done on your showreel. How do you start to formulate an idea for that brand, for that concept, for that piece? Do you see it as individual projects or is there like a spine of shots or things that you need to make a, a narrative commercial, a piece of content? It's, um, it's, it's different every time. Sometimes you get fully finished. This is our idea. Here is our storyboard. It's gone through research. You can't touch a frame. But what we want is you to add a visual tone to it or we know that you can deliver this so what can you bring you know what extra 10% can you bring other times they come to you and they go we've got an idea which they don't really have mm. um, and you come up with the creative and to be honest more and more you're seeing that from agencies they're um, really strained they're having to do 50 jobs for the same amount of money 
Um, and so they turn around and go, oh, we've got this idea. And you end up just rewriting the idea, going back with something different. Um, and you can bring a technique or you can bring a visual style to it. Or it's just something where you say, narratively, this doesn't work. But what if you just changed it slightly angle this way? It'll work. Um, and yeah, that's it. Have you got um, a plan? Like say, I love my music and there's there's like in Nashville there's like some people that can and cannot grasp the Nashville kind of country way of writing music which is I'm going to wake up at nine I'm going to write music from 10 till three I'm going to have a break and I'm going to do some more is the creative process that easy for you or do you do ideas just come or do you have to really kind of set some time aside to be like right I'm going to put x amount of hours into this today I'm going to put x amount of hours into that tomorrow yeah I mean for different things i think sometimes you get you get a treat you sorry you get a pitch that comes from the agency and a concept and you're like wow i know exactly what this is i can see this in my mind's eye and i just work every hour i can to make it and win it because i'm excited by what it could be it's a real adventure sometimes you get it and you're like oh i don't know what they want and i'm stuck and i bang my head against the wall um and then sometimes i turn to friends or colleagues and say can you help what does this mean? And then they show you or explain and you're like, okay, I get it. And those ones are much harder to get. And it feels like you're doing homework. You wait until Sunday night, right at the very end to do that work <laughs> and hand it in. And, uh, you know, sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them. You can never tell. Nice. So I guess let's start, just start from the beginning. What was your route in? Did you suddenly just kind of come out of A levels with, you know, four A stars and just go, I'm a film director. What was your route in? Um, I, I always wanted to get into promos and commercials. I was, I was studying graphic design at Central St. Martins. I started doing film. I had no, I had zero contacts. Um, I found a couple of copies of promo magazine, which was the original magazine before it became promo news the website. Mm -hmm. um, and on the back of it was, advertising for some post-production houses, one of them being The Farm, who now predominantly do TV. Mm -hmm. uh, I was working loads of dead-end jobs, bars and kitchens. And one day this woman comes up to the bar and I was talking to her and she said, oh, I work at The Farm. She was a receptionist. And I just said, right, I'll give you free drinks if you'll let me come in and do some work experience as a runner. Nice. Because the only way you get into anything is a bit of hustling. Uh, and that's my fundamentals. You hustle your way in. And um, I hustled. I became a runner in post-production. I worked in that. Then I realized I didn't want to work in post. I managed to get a job running at a TV company called Talkback Thames. I ran their studio for a bit. And through them, I managed to become a camera assistant on some films. I worked with people like Barry Aykroyd. Um, nice. Sorry. Uh, and lots of other famous DPs. And, uh, and then I just realized that you can go up the ladder if you're working on an HOD. So if you are, I don't know, first thing, art department, camera, wardrobe, makeup, those areas you can work up the ladder, but for a director, you can't. So I just had to leave it and I had to work a load of dead end jobs again and go back to like doing three jobs, shops, bars, anything I could get my hands on, cleaning. And from that, I built up a showreel and then I hassled every single person I knew until somebody knew somebody whose dog walker knew somebody who happened to work at a company that they could get a showreel in front of. And I managed to get a meeting with a guy called John Hassey, who was working music videos and he gave us a break. And uh, yeah, that's how I got in. Amazing. 
So that just yeah. goes to show the hustle, the hard work, the kind of, and also it, it felt like you were where some film students have kind of gone, I'm on, I'm on a film set. I'm with massive DPs. That's it. I've kind of made it. I'm just going to go up. You've then taken a step back. That must've been a tough decision to make. Yeah, it was. I, to be, if I'm perfectly honest, I was massively depressed during that time because I could see everyone else, all my peers doing so well, mm. having left college um, and even people in the film industry doing well. And there I was working in cafes, bars and clothes shops and cleaning to make ends meet and then spending all that money trying to make promos and short films. Yeah, it totally killed me. But yeah, you just got to you've got to go back to go forward sometimes. Nice. And it, was there a lightning bolt moment for you that directing was the thing? Or was it just always something that you kind of always knew you wanted to be a director? No, not at all. Uh, I've kind of scattered, scattered about a bit. I wanted to do graphic design, which is why I was at St. Martin's. I left. I wanted to make documentaries uh, until I realised I wasn't smart enough to do that. Um, <laughs> I, I worked in the camera department uh, and then realised it was like being in the military. Um, and so I left those behind and I was just trying lots of different things. And then I just, I don't know. Yeah. I realized that I'd been telling myself I didn't want to direct for so long. I was like, no, no, no. I'm not one of those people who just wants to, you know, do that fantasy job. And then I was like, actually I do want to do it. So I've just got to, you know, get some balls and fucking go after it. And did you learn, did you like being on a film set where there are kind of moments that you looked at the director and went, Oh, that's quite a useful little tip. Oh yeah. I quite like the way that, you know, having an understanding of what the crew does. Do you think that's given you a, a better, has that made you a better director? In some sense? Yeah. I think because I worked on TV dramas and in the camera department, I worked six day fortnights. I grinded myself into the ground. I, I really got, you know, the hard, hard lesson. And from that, as a director now, I know I'm constantly looking around me, 360 degrees. I can see when somebody over there needs a cup of tea and mm. somebody over there needs a pen. I always carry a pen on me. I'm always kind of on point and seeing what's going on. And I can feel the rhythms of where the crew is going and not going. Um, unlike some directors who've come straight out of school, don't understand what's happening with the crew. And that can be really great, but at the same time, when it starts falling apart, they don't know what to do because they don't understand the subtleties of how it works because basically it's like an army. Um, and I think that having that confidence and that comfort in that situation was really helpful when I was on set. Um, but I don't think it's essential. I just have found positives from it. Mm. And where are you at now then? On your Say if, you're, if your career is a, a mountain that you're climbing, where do you feel like you're at? Um, Oh, I've, I've had lots of ups and downs. Um, I started in a good place. I started actually being signed to Blink for a long time, Blink Productions, when it was one of what third best production companies in the world for about three years running. Uh, did lots of big commercials, shot all around the world. Um, I was working in a partnership at the time called One in Three, and then I decided I wanted to go out on my own. So I left. I went to Moxie, another great company. Um, and then... I've, you know, I've done that. I've done the regular commercial way and it wasn't, it was two years ago. Well, three years ago, I had a kind of a bit of a bad year. It wasn't really working. Felt like the industry was changing and felt really frustrated and just went, well, I've got nothing to lose by trying to go out on my own and do it as a freelancer. I did that two years ago. I had the two best years I've ever had uh, in 10, 12 years of directing. And um, it's totally re 
shaped the way I think about the industry, my contacts, how I work. I've done the best work I've ever done in my life and I'm much happier and earning much more money doing that. And so I've done again, I've had to step back to step forwards. Mm. Um, it hasn't just been a kind of straight to the top or a straight down to the bottom. You know, it's been an up and down battle, but I think that is directing and I think people never explain that. Um, yeah. So if you, it sounds like going out on your own, you set up a, a company or you, or what, what is it that you're doing then at the minute? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't for a while, but I got, I, last year I was getting so much work coming directly to me that I decided that actually I was just going to set up a company. I set one up in two weeks. Um, <laughs> it's, so it's so easy now, like, you know, uh, a yeah. Revolut bank account, you know, company's house, a website, bang, an email done. Two weeks, me and a producer set a company up called Twice. Uh, we ended up last year doing four big TVCs, 10 bits or 12 bits of content absolutely smashed it we've already done a huge still shoot this year and we've got a bunch of work lined up already um and i think that directors should all have a side hustle of their own company either they do it full-time or they're signed to a production company and they have a little thing on the side with a producer where they just service a few jobs or do some content because it's just why not there's you can do that now i think the opportunity there production companies don't mind as much as they used to there's more opportunity for you as a director and a producer to get that work. And then um, you never know what it's going to turn into. So yeah, I think it's really worth doing that. Is it kind of that side hustle? Should it be a niche? Should it be a passion? What, what, you know, cause it, if, if it's going to take a lot of time, does it need to have more passion to it than just the money? Yeah, it does. I think, um, as somebody said, you know, Learn, you know this industry needs another production company like a hole in the head there are hundreds of thousands of them and there's another one every second and what i find every single time it's like we have a roster of 20 directors you've never heard of and are you you know and what we do is everything and we'll do it a bit cheaper than the next man and that's it and yeah. it just carries on the same same every time and there's a couple of companies that i've really admired um carnage were one of them um there's a couple more i can't remember right now but they just had a bit more, they were a bit more specialized, you know, Carnage just do cars, whether it's a bit of content, a TVC or, a, you know, a TV show, they just do cars. And we've kind of adopted that twice. So we said, we just do a certain level of kind of luxury brands. You know, we work with like Mr. Porter, Porsche, Jaguar, uh, Cartier, Vacheron, lots of watch companies. And, and we're just trying to stick to that stuff because we enjoy it. You know, that luxury and adventure stuff and two TVCs for Helly Hansen. So if, if somebody comes to us with a, a Lou Roll commercial or a Tesco ad, we're not too fussed. We don't really want to do it. Um, leave nice. that to the other companies. Yeah, nice. I think when there's so much noise, everyone has to specialise. I think, I think crews, directors, everyone has to go, this is my thing and I'm just going to keep doing it until everyone goes, fuck, it's a Lou Roll commercial. You've got to go to Cisco. He just does Lou Roll commercials. <laughs> then, then you own it. That's you own it. them always. You, you know? are Mr. Flash. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, I guess you, you you were saying you kind of done it now 10, 12 years. From where you're sitting and how you're looking out at the industry, what advice would you give yourself and at what point of your career would you have kind of, would you give it to? Um the thing I've learned over the last two years, especially in, in being freelance and, and really hustling, is that 
I, th I think what's way more important than the talent and then your showreel is who you know. Mm. And everyone used to, everyone moaned in the past about this being about nepotism, but that's not the case anymore. It really isn't. It wasn't the case when I started. I met somebody in a bar and I just hustled until I got it and so on and so on. And I think the case is now so easy, especially through lots of social media, to contact and meet up with as many people as possible because you meet somebody one day for a cup of coffee and a year later they are in a position where they go, oh yeah, it's you, we've met, we're kind of friends, even though you've only met them for a coffee, they give you that job that then opens another door that opens another. You're, you've got to be in the top 5% of amazing fucking talented people in the world to cut through all of that. Mm. And some people do, and I admire them, and I wish I was one of them. But for the 95% of us, it really is about just meet and befriend as many people as, you, as possible. And that's not just about forwarding and climbing a ladder. It's also going to, you'll realise that you just feel much more part of an industry, much more of a community. And when you need help, there's lots of people to call on. Um, when you just hide in a room and, and feel competitive and you're not going to help anyone and I'm not going to meet anyone and I'm just going to do my work and then everyone's going to think I'm the next Van Gogh, you're just, nobody's ever going to find you. Nobody's ever going to see it. You're never going to get work and you're never going to move on. It's all about, this industry is all about people. And if it's all about people, it means go out and meet everyone and be nice. Nice. Hey. I, I, yeah. And I wish I'd kind of learned that a bit earlier in my career. Cause I, you know, I did the opposite, which a lot of people do, which is I hid in my room and I was competitive and I didn't share my secrets. I didn't share my contacts. I didn't help anyone. I just, tried to make my work and I was like this will get me further and I it didn't it did in places but it, not as much as now when I just go and meet people and that really opens doors left front and center mm. so film students that are going you know industries on lockdown film yeah. students are kind of are learning if they want to be a director is there like a handful of things that you kind of go these are these are essential things that you should have as knowledge or as tools um, to be a successful director? Um, I guess an example, sure. example yeah. that someone said that to me, they were like, right, well, look, if you, if you want to be a DP, go to the National Gallery, go to all these um, museums and art galleries and just look at paintings and look at light and just spend every waking hour that you can just looking at how light falls in paintings. And you kind of think, well, that, that makes it, like I never even thought of it, but yes, that does make sense if you want to be a DP. Is there anything like that that you've got for directing? Yeah, I mean, people always say, like, watch thousands of films and watch lots of stuff and read tons of scripts and you'll understand. And maybe you do, I'm sure you do, by consuming all of that stuff. Like, if you eat a lot of food, you're going to learn how to become a chef to a certain degree, but you're really only going to learn how to become a chef if you can get in the kitchen and start cooking. Nice. It's the same thing with directing. Get in the kitchen, start making these films, start cooking. You're only going to learn by fucking it up. Mm. Um, and what I find is that you spend so long going, oh my God, I'm going to have to make this perfect drawing to show the rest of the class. And oh, they're going to think it's shit. So I'll just keep holding onto it until it's perfect. And you'll get your perfect drawing your shirt and they'll still fucking laugh because it's not good enough. Just keep showing, have the confidence to just keep making stuff again and again and again. 
I know some directors, Danny Sangro is one of them, uh, who just doesn't stop producing content again and again and again until his style is so refined that nobody else can touch him. It's like, that is his style. And anyone else that tries is just ripping him off because he just makes one thing after another until he just slightly tightens each bolt, getting everything perfect. And I think I don't do it enough, but I definitely think that's the key is just make as much as possible. Um, and I think there's a lot of directors out there who are very snobby there. They kind of go, oh no, I only do this stuff that really touches my soul and I'm very artistic about it. It's like, okay, that's great, but you might learn shit tons doing the cat biscuit commercial or the, or the bit of content that, you know, for some crap brand that's only 10 grand or you keep making as much stuff all mm. the time. You don't have to show people. You don't have to be proud of it, but you'll learn and you'll meet people and you'll expand and you'll keep moving on um, until you can start really kind of narrowing it down to what your style is, what you're good at and what you really, really want to do. Amazing. Dude, we're flying through this. Boom. Okay. Amazing. Uh, well, look, any people, projects, anything you want to shout out? Um, yeah, I mean, going back to the whole thing of getting to know people, when I went, when I was with a production company with Moxie and I was thinking about going freelance, I was, I was kind of standing at the deep end of the pool, dipping my foot in and going, oh, I don't know if I should do this. I'm really worried. Oh God, I need a production company. I need that safety net. So I just contacted loads of freelance directors and said, can I buy you a coffee? Can I just ask you questions about how you're doing it? It was so hard to meet most of them because they were so busy working, which really showed me one thing. I then went to meet a bunch of them and they were like, oh, do this and do that. And here's this contact. And the ball just started rolling. I just dumped in the deep end and went freelance. And I found it so useful talking to other directors that I said, look, do you mind if I stick the five of you on a WhatsApp group so we can just chat? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. And I'd meet another director and another director, and another director. And I made a point of just emailing directors who are freelance going out meeting them for coffees and just getting them on the group i've now got a group of about 120 directors um, wow. across the uk it's growing every day especially at the moment with this covid problem everyone mm. is chatting they're sharing links they're helping people out it's a real community so i want to give a shout out to that because i'm really proud of it but i'm really proud about how the directors on it are opening up and helping each other out so if anyone out there also who wants to join just message me on instagram and um, yeah, I'll add you to it. And the Instagram handle? Uh, it's uh, my Instagram is Bugsy Steel. So that's B U G S Y S T E E L. Well, look, ladies and gents, I, I feel like that is, I don't even know, it's probably been about 25 minutes. I think we've nailed, <laughs> we've nailed it. That's what people want to hear. Um, go check him out, Bugsy Steel, Instagram. If you're a freelance director, ask to join the WhatsApp group, start making stuff, jump in the deep end. There's no better time than now to start finding your niche and start making shit happen for yourself. You heard it. He's done it. You can do it. it sounds easy. Right. And until we meet again, ladies and gents, film family, check out timescheduler.com. Keep safe, keep healthy, and that's a wrap. Set up as a chat with the king or queen in the game. I give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film Gods Podcast. The what? The Film God Podcast.